This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for September 23, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. The message is by Father Ron Baird. If you remember last week, Jesus was with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi at the foot of Mount Hermon. Um, and it was there that he had asked Peter and the other disciples, who do men say that I am? And from that point now, he turned south, with Mount Hermon being at the very northern end of Israel. He now is going to turn south and travel to Jerusalem. And so he wants to prepare his disciples for what is going to happen. And on the way, he's teaching them what he had said before up at Caesarea Philippi, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, that he will be betrayed, that he will be killed, and on the third day he'll rise again. And it says that the disciples really didn't get this. Now, you'd have to wonder, he told them twice, so why? what was so confusing about it? But if you understand where they're coming from, it really doesn't fit in. Their whole concept of what Mashiach, what Messiah means, is that this is the anointed one of God who is the heir to David's throne. He's the one who's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, to overthrow the oppressors and to reestablish the good times back in Israel again. And so for him to say that 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 Son of Man, Him, the, the Messiah, is going to go and be betrayed and killed doesn't make sense. And that, that isn't what they'd always been taught. You know, because how are you going to rule and kick out the oppressors if you've, if you've been killed? You know, it just doesn't compute to them. And it says that they didn't understand what it was He was saying, so they didn't ask Him. You know, and we can understand that, can't we? Because sometimes when people are telling us things that don't fit into our worldview the way that we see the world, we just can't make sense out of it. You know, and so what happens is we end up sort of distorting it, not on purpose or maliciously, but simply because we try to make it fit in so that we understand how that would work. And so they're on their way south, and they're about to come to Capernaum, um, which is where Peter lived, and they'll be staying there for the night. And as they get down towards there, um, there are some of them in the back, and they're probably, you know, anywhere 50, 70 people travel with Jesus on a regular basis. And so as they're traveling, some of the people in the back, no doubt in the back because they were good Anglicans, um, were back there saying, you know, talking about what this was going to be like. But what they were doing was they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. You know, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and inherits the kingdom. And you can almost hear the conversation. Peter going, hey, it's going to be me. After all, I'm, remember, I got a new name. I'm Peter now. Not, not Simon anymore. I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I'm the faith on which he's going to build his church. So I get to be the prime minister. You know, it's obvious. And you almost hear John say, yeah, that was probably before he called you Satan. Um, you know. I'm beloved, so it's probably me because he loves me. And you can hear this kind of argument going on in the back. And, and like most of the time when we do things like that, they're, they're doing it sort of quietly. I mean, they're not having a shouting match at each other. And when they arrive at Capernaum, Jesus calls the twelve into the room. And he says, tell me, what were you talking about on the way? And there was dead silence. 
That's that uh-oh moment. <laughs> do, you, do you think he heard? Or is he just asking? You know, does he know? So they don't say anything. Because he wouldn't want to say the wrong thing, right? And so he says, I tell you what, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, the way to get there is to be the least. That's how you get there. And then he calls over a little child, probably, it says a small child, probably like two, three maybe, and has him climb into his lap. And he says, if you receive one such child as this, in my name, you have received me. And not only have you received me, but you've received my father. Now, why in the world is he doing this with the child? What's that got to do with anything? I thought we were talking about who was going to be great and how did he be least but best. And, you know, they're still trying to figure this out. But he's really teaching them about what it really looks like to be great in the kingdom. Because the one thing that's great about, you know, kids when they're that young is that they are pure. They're not perfect, by the way, but they're pure. If, if a kid is, is little like that, two or three, and, and they see something they really like, what do they do? They squeal. They make noise. I mean, they laugh. Do they care where they are? No, we haven't, we haven't beat that out of them yet. If they, something happens to them that they don't like, what do they do? A different squeal, though. <laughs> they cry, they scream, no, no. I mean, they don't want it. They are natural. They are who they are. They haven't learned yet how to be false with people. You know, that kind of thing where you say, people say, how are you? And you say, I'm good. Of course, you're not, but what's that got to do with it? And so they haven't learned how to hide behind the masks that we all hide behind. So it tells us something about what God is looking for in us. He's not looking for someone who is, you know, never unhappy or who never makes a mistake or who is always perfect. What he's looking for is someone who is real, who is genuine, who is who they say they are, who is what you see is what you get. You know, they want someone who's going to be the same all the time. He doesn't want you to have your work image and your um, church image and your uh, bar image and, you know, all those things. He wants you to be you, always. The other thing about little kids that's interesting is that when they see somebody who, who really likes them and appreciates them, what do they do? Yeah, they want to hug you. Now, there are some who go through a stage in that period of time where they're sure it's shy and they're not too sure about that. But once they get past that, they, they can pretty well sense who likes the kids and who doesn't. You know, one of the things I can remember distinctly about being a teenager that was horrible is that when you go into a store as a teenager and you go up to the customer service thing because you've got a problem, have you ever noticed that they ignore you? They talk to the adults, don't they? You know, that's because... The adults are important. They have money. Kids don't have money. And so Jesus is trying to teach the disciples what it's like in the kingdom of God. And what it's like isn't somehow or other being, you know, you know, holy, holy kind of thing. It's really being genuine, being you, 
Not putting on airs, but being you. So what is it then, if we go back to James and look at that, what is he talking about when he says that, you know, when he talks about this arguing that goes on, he says, isn't it that you covet and do not have, and so disputes arise among you? Now, if you think about that, it does make a lot of sense, because if you don't want it, why would you fight about it? You wouldn't care, would you? But oftentimes what happens is that we want a lot of things. Sometimes we want prosperity. Sometimes we want um, respect. Sometimes we want um, to be noticed, to be important. Um, We want lots of things. And it's when we don't feel that we're getting them that we become upset and we get angry. And he says you don't have because you don't ask. When was the last time you asked God to help you to be you know, respected by people? Somebody that people genuinely esteemed well. And we don't really ask that, do we? Well, I'm supposed to do that work. What's that got to do with God? Well, actually, it has everything to do with God. And he says, and quite honestly, if you do ask, you don't get it because you asked wrongly. So how do you ask wrongly? Well, he goes on to tell us, you ask for yourself, for your own pleasures, you know, for, for your own feelings. And if you ask that way, then you're asking wrongly. So what is it that we should, how should we ask? I mean, you know, if, I, if I want to be esteemed well by people, how, how do I ask for that, that it isn't for me? Well, it really boils down to, who are you? Who are you? Each one of us was created by God. Each one of us was put here for a reason. And when we live out our lives trying to, you know, you know, manage to get to a certain place that isn't what God had in mind, He'll let us do that, but we'll be on our own. If you really want to ask correctly, then the real question is, Lord, who do you want me to be? Lord, how do you want me to behave? Lord, what do you want me to say? And to live that out moment by moment. Because when we begin to realize that we are the children of God who have been adopted and grafted into his family, and that we live out our lives according to his plan and his purpose, then we've truly become who we were created to be. And then when we ask... In that, we always receive. Because the question is, is, Lord, thy will be done. Lord, what do you want for me? And I will follow. All too often what we do is we want to get God to give us what we want. As though he were Santa Claus and we're writing our wish list for Christmas. Rather than asking God what he wants so that we can manage to fulfill that. And the most amazing thing is that when we do fulfill that, we become more us than we ever were. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in difficult circumstances or wonderful circumstances. If you're following what God wants you to be. If God wants you to have wealth, it's for a reason. So find out why it is that God gave it to you. And do it for those reasons. If, if, if you're poor and you don't know why, then... Find out why, but serve God either way. 
and you'll end up being exactly what he wants you to be. And it won't matter whether you're rich or poor because you'll be who he made you to be. Because the truth is that the kingdom of God has one overarching theory that, that follows for all of us, and that's that he's in charge. That's what his kingdom means. The sovereign reign of God means that he's the sovereign in charge, and we do his bidding. And when we do his bidding, the world comes to be that which he wants it to be. But when we seek our own ways and seek our own needs, they become distorted. And all too often, that's exactly what we do. We begin to know what the right thing is, and we become very intolerant of other people as a result of it. You know, because they aren't doing what we want them to do. And that's just downright annoying. But really, it ought not to be the question. See, it doesn't really matter what your neighbor does. Ultimately, it matters for them, but not for you. Ultimately, what matters for you is what God wants you to do. And if you are fulfilling God's call to you, then you find peace. Then you find joy. Then you find that, that rest and contentment that we all seek. You know, that, that place where we can just, you know, be and feel good. You know, that place where in Scripture it says, be still and know that I am God. And all too often in our world, that's the farthest thing from it. We seek those things in all sorts of things. We seek it in careers. We seek it in education. We seek it in our spouses. We seek it in our politicians. We seek it in, you know, our church. We seek it everywhere but God. And we forget that none of those people had anything to do with why we're here. Only God created us. And it's when we serve him that we truly begin to live in the kingdom. And so if we are serving him, then we have no need to sit in judgment of other people or to argue about who's going to be the greatest. Because I can tell you who's going to be the greatest. You know who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus. You know, it's obvious. The rest of us are his servants. And we live in a slavery that is perfect freedom. Because in this slavery to Jesus, we truly get to be who we are and what we want to be. Because we are what we were created to be. We get that peace that passes all understanding. We get that ability to weather the storms of life, no matter what comes our way. You, know, you can even get through four quarters of an Ohio State football game without having a fit. Believe it or not, it happens. Because it's not about that, is it? That's just entertainment. And so we, we live out our lives seeking his will first. And when we begin to do that, what we realize is that I am who God made me to be. Now, it, it is greatly freeing in some ways. In some ways, you don't have to please everybody around you. And I don't know if you're old enough to have noticed this or not. Some of you, I hope, are. But the chances are that somebody is not going to like something that you have done somewhere along the line. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty likely. But it doesn't matter if God likes it. Sometimes that somebody who doesn't like what you've done may be a spouse or a parent or a respected 
teacher or colleague. But if God approves, it won't matter. Because whose kingdom would you rather live in, your parents' kingdom or God's kingdom? It seems like a no-brainer, but we don't do it, do we? That's the goal. When we seek wisdom, as James was talking about, the wisdom is not you know, more knowledge about God or more knowledge about things. The wisdom is to have the ability to discern God's call in our life and the courage to do it, whatever that may be. And it's different for everyone. The garbage collector who is called by God to be a garbage collector is every bit as important as the President of the United States. And if you don't believe that, have nobody pick up your garbage for the next three months and see whether you'd rather have the president come or the garbage man. I guarantee you, you want the garbage man. You don't care if the president's there or not. That's what we seek, is all of us working in harmony towards a common purpose. And if what we have is all of us working in cacophony for our own purposes, the world looks just like it does now. Crazy. And so where are you in life? You know, where are you? Are you happy? Do you need to judge other people? Do you get irritated with other people all the time? Are you not patient? Because all those things need to lead us to ask ourselves, who am I serving? Does your boss not tell you what a great job you're doing? Who are you serving? You know, does your spouse not appreciate the hard work you do at home? Who are you serving? You know, do your friends not really seem to get you? Who are you serving? Because really, ultimately, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about who we will choose to serve. And when the 12 were arguing on the way about who it was that you know, was going to be the greatest, they weren't interested in serving, were they? They were interested in being up front. And so when Jesus says, the least among you will be greatest, he doesn't mean least as in be a doormat to everybody around you. He means when you take your place as the created and do what God calls you to do, you are least. When you elevate yourself to want to be like God and be the decider of your life, then you're released. You end up at the bottom of the rung. And so every day we need to be asking ourselves, why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Whose kingdom do I really want to belong to? I may have to live in this world, but is this really all I want? Because you can pursue happiness, you can pursue partying and good times, you can pursue wealth and power in this world, but ultimately, what do you do when you come to your deathbed? Where do you pack it? How do you take it with you? Or you can choose to do what God calls you to do and take whatever tools he may give you and use them for his purposes. And don't worry about the rest of the world. You know, encourage them to do the same. Because the truth is, is if all of us would do what God wants, 